Welcome to Lights in the Sky podcast episode 86, casual chat about uncasual things. I'm Luke. And uh, Tony here from episode 86 and the 85 previous episodes. Hmm. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely true. Yeah. Um, uh, then what do I say? Uh, do you talk about paranormal activity in the week ahead, before, previous? Anything paranormal happened to you this week? Didn't really happen. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay. I did say there were, I did I did plan well though for my week. Is that paranormal? Um, did you do this planning so with some sort this, of How did I know? How did I know to pack an extra pair of underwear, socks, and shirt in my bag when I was going away for the night? Mm-hmm. How did I know? Because maybe I'm psychic. Why did you need an extra pair? Got stuck in uh, in in Auckland. Oh. In great large city of New Zealand. <laughs> which we all bowed down before worship. Uh-huh. How did you get stuck there? Couldn't get on a flight home. Couldn't hitchhike? No. Oh. No. So, stuck there. And uh, I think I spread the Project Blue Book word. Oh, yeah? I was with some colleagues who were also stuck, and I was like, do you know what you should watch? Hmm. Project Blue Book. So I think I had said what I was going to do after we retired uh, from the... Um, the pizza and beers oh, yeah. around the the hotel pool. Mm-hmm. It's quite a nice night. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad spot to be <laughs> not stuck. No, exactly. It's not like you you were in the rain and in a tent somewhere stranded. That's right. I wasn't sort of like you know, I, I guess stuck to a chain link fence somehow. You're in a hotel with a company credit Shackled card. Shackled to a chain link fence. <laughs> no, I was in the hotel with a company credit card and eating pizza wild. by the pool. Yeah, I've tried convincing people of Project Blue Book, but I don't think anyone's really dabbled. Uh, yet I certainly haven't heard back from anyone <laughs> I'm not just spamming inboxes <laughs> I've had a topsy-turvy week oh topsy-turvy um, slight moment of um, psychicness <gasps> um, I you tell me how psychic on a scale of one to foretelling your own death this is a hundred this is okay so this is either foretell your own death to sort of realizing you know that you were gonna have you know peanut butter in your sandwich yeah it might be at that level yeah thinking about it but so it wasn't the sandwich like, oh, peanut butter yeah, yeah. And knew it <laughs> <laughs> knew i could smell it um <laughs> i brought it i brought a gift for someone who claims that they a knew gif? what they a, knew what a, it a was gif? they knew what it was a gif or a gif or a gift a present oh Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I brought a present for someone who claims they knew what it was before they received it. I'm pretty good at actually guessing presents. So am I. Is that because you can sense it in the vibes or you just think you know how people think? Well, when it's sort of shaped like a bottle. And <laughs> no, this was something I said to the person, um, got your present, it's on your desk. And they reckon from there they knew to the point where they almost responded saying, thanks for the hat. Because it was a hat. You bought someone a hat? Yeah. Were they balding? No, they just bought a boat. So I bought them a steady the ship oh, captain's good, hat. Good, yeah. yeah. But somehow they knew that. And to the point where they claimed they almost replied, thanks for the hat. But they didn't reply. They just said this later. Very good. I'm... One to one to a hundred? 
hundreds of lines. It's, it's a big scale. Um, one to a thousand, then. Okay, <laughs> you made it bigger, which isn't helping. Um, maybe one to a million. Okay, let's go with a thousand. Uh, two hundred and seventy. Oh, yeah, two point seven out of ten. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah, and if that person had responded with "thanks for the hat," what would that? have done to your surprisingly score. would have been lower I don't oh, really <laughs> I don't that's an interesting scale I don't design though. I don't sort of design the way the metrics and uh, all, all the all, all the calculations work but mm. formula mm. doesn't lie so that was that was the strange one the ups uh, won a prize the downs cat went to the vet because was limping and the other up got free firewood the down put my back out dealing with the firewood oh so, I mean, good getting on a firewood early. Was yeah. it that sort of negative twenty six degrees or something in Chicago that freaked you out? I'm like, gotta get firewood. No, you got to get it while it well you can get it. Well, it's hot. If it's um, well, it's hot. Get yeah. it while it's hot. Yeah, you literally get it while it's hot. It's hot because it's like the, a heat wave. We're in a heat wave. If the weather's hot, the firewood's cheap. Have you been experiencing the heat wave like in your satellite settlement? Because I've noticed that on the coast where we are now, it's, it hasn't been that hot. It's been pretty hot. Yeah. Like. Like what sort of like on a scale of one to a thousand, how hot has it been? Two point seven. Wait, what was that again? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like, what have you been sleeping? How many, how many clothes have you been sleeping in? How many clothes? Yeah. Um, like in a scale of like tuxedo <laughs> to I get I don't know like one sock on your left foot and that's it. What have you been sleeping in? Underwear and a singlet. Oh. Well, don't say it like that. <laughs> Uh, for the most part yeah nice fan um yeah she was <laughs> beautiful <laughs> uh yeah we've had the fan on most nights yeah um the odd cold shower oh because we don't have any air conditioning so it's very hot particularly oh. for my wife who's eight months pregnant now Jeez, that would be hard yeah do you, does she want to come sit in front of the um like, because the cat sits just out there in the hallway there in front of the air conditioner. If she wants to come lie on the floor there with the cat, <laughs> we have, more than often to. We have um, genuinely gone for drives just because the air conditioning is so good in the car. Oh, we we talked about this uh, post-episode <laughs> last week yeah. where we went for a wee drive in the car after you'd been to a sporting event. And came when back. I kidnapped you. Yeah, and you came back to collect the your new edition. Mm. Yeah. A bookcase. Yeah. But- yeah. Speaking of which, new bookcase here. Yeah, everyone cares. <laughs> the replacement. <laughs> and you've inherited the uh, the former inhabitant. Because, yeah. Because you know every studio, every piece of studio property has to go to somebody who's involved in the podcast. Mm. And at the moment, that's just you and probably a friend of the show, JM, might inherit something. If anyone wants to buy our listener map, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's off the wall, and I'm being told by the uh, significant other it's not allowed to go back up because <laughs> we've now repainted the room and it's now modern and. Yeah, dodgy uh, listener maps don't sort of suit the look. Um, speaking of, um, I just want to touch on a subject we a touch talked about last week. A touchy week. subject? No, I want to touch on a. Oh, it's yeah, touch it's a on touchy, a touchy subject. subject. I just want to touch on a touchy subject. Yeah. So um, we talked about how long until something's funny. Yeah. And I gave you the example of um, I was watering the garden. My wife was there. She's pregnant. If I sprayed it with the hose, how long would it take for that to be funny? Because it certainly wouldn't be at the time. No, not at all. Um, You'd be in some trouble, man. Yeah. Um, how long after your significant other shut your car in the garage door? How long till that's funny? <laughs> 
So, so the garage you? door. So the garage door came down on top of the car. Yeah. Be- because he pushed the button by accident, <laughs> and it impacted the top of the car, smashed the wee hmm. aerial dongle thing off the top of it. Aerial, yeah. Um, How long till that's funny, or is that already funny? I think that's okay. It's like, okay. Thing, it's not angry. It's moved into nothing, and soon will become funny. I think what about it is that. Golfie, we came out on Golfie, the Volkswagen Golf, and that car is bloody. It's like I think we've talked about this. It's like the Pan, German it's like the Panzer tank, yeah, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. it's it's really robust. So even when the garage door came down a bit, there was no dent in the car. Like it bounced off the car. Um. So yeah, I think in terms of like that, but you had to get vehicle, it repaired. I had to get the area repaired. Yeah, and that wasn't totally. That wasn't hugely expensive. So <laughs> essentially, still. once it was done, mm. it was okay. I think I realised though, like this is the, that was the that incident when it happened. I was annoyed at the time. Yeah. But I realised by me being annoyed, it was upsetting him because it yeah. was an accident. So I had to dial it back. Yeah. So it wasn't funny. That was a learning curve. It wasn't funny. That's how you deal with things like that? I would say it's been. I think overall it's been a learning curve. Like every time now, if, if the car's ever like partly parked out of the garage if we need to do something behind i unplug the remote i'm sorry i I unplug the cable that goes into the socket for the garage door just so it can never happen again and then you look back and you laugh about the time that it happens it's not funny yet i guess i'm not laughing about it now i'm thinking about it it's always bitter i think there's a, a second part to that where we have to put on like the proximity to it so i think it would be funnier for me funny for me before it's funny for you i think like it's probably funny for you now it's pretty funny it's pretty funny for you when it happened <laughs> no like, it wasn't no it definitely wasn't it was definitely those... like a an hour or two where i was like oh and then i thought about it and i'm like he'll be fine this is funny <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think like i find i find the yeah, reliving the experience does make me tense so it's maybe not 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 quite funny yet All right. but i think maybe I don't know, like on the one year anniversary, how would I feel? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to still be angry about it. Speaking of which, um, we've got our two year lights in the sky anniversary coming up. I um, think it's something to do, don't I we? S- I still don't find that funny. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing in this podcast is funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I do have one other thing that I was going to mention that. I don't think it's paranormal, but I do think it's a bit weird. Well, so far, nothing has been paranormal. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's quite a fantastic streak. Of for, the, for those of you playing at home, this rarely gets paranormal yeah. in this first part. The weekend review bands, yeah, nothing happens. We, you know, I, I never get like you know molested by a ghost. Like, whoa, 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 whoa! I'd be paranormal. So I don't know. I don't know if I can. I want to name a business. Business? May I name a business? How, one of my how high profile is this business let me just say it and if it's bad i'll cut it out yeah okay we'll do that <laughs> um there's a cleaning company oh in our fair city oh i know you like cleaning companies you've yeah, well, called them on the show before we have and they've been a sponsor unofficial <laughs> unofficial sponsor i should say so of ima- miho japanese cleaning so this cleaning company um they deal with my place of work is that too risky to Your say? Filthiness, yeah. Um, and the name of the company is A Woman's Touch. Oh, is that okay. controversial? Can you say I that in this current I think climate? I know where they are. I think I've driven past that. <laughs> like I think they're based at like a, a based at a home business type mm. thing. 
So imagine my... So it would be a woman's touch saying that women are better at men than cleaning and yeah. presenting things. That's what they're saying. It's like having a DIY or like a building firm. Hire a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> or that. Yeah. So uh, I guess, it, does hire a hobby still exist? I think so. Yeah, I haven't used them recently or ever. <laughs> so, <laughs> Have you ever hired a hubby? I haven't, no. <laughs> no I, could, I, don't, I couldn't bring myself to hire a hubby. If the hubby is a divorcee, does that mean that <laughs> they have to drop out of the business? Hire or? a former hubby. Oh, man. Hire a divorcee. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, woman's do touch. Do people know that? Well, anyway. <laughs> no one there's cares. A, there's a cleaning company called A Woman's Touch. And I knew they dealt with my place of work, but... Um, uh, your place of business thought nothing of it apart from maybe that is a little bit wrong to assume females are better than males at cleaning i for one am probably the leading cleaner in my house and uh, so am i yeah and so are you um the leading clause the leading cause of cleanliness in my yes. house um, so i've been away for about i've been away for like three days i come back and i'm like the house is messy and all the lights are left on <laughs> that's weird <laughs> yeah. that's paranormal <laughs> no, no okay. so imagine my i don't know if alarms the word confusion okay sympathy a little bit too oh, okay when Showing a small side when a small filipino man comes cleaning <gasps> with a woman's touch t-shirt on what yeah, <laughs> yeah could like, this have been ladyboy <laughs> is that racist i don't know is it <laughs> no they weren't they seemed like a dude did, did you ask for proof i didn't ask for proof nor did i do any kind of checking <laughs> but that, i just thought that was a bit paranormal it's is that paranormal it's it's a real head scratcher yeah like how do you apply for that like you see that job listing and i guess it's touch Equality, You're a woman's touch. Equality and, and and you know discrimination laws say you have to consider all applicants. But what about hire a hubby? They don't have weaves. Yeah, that's true. That is weird, really. This is odd. That's re- that's a real um, head fuck. <laughs> like, also, I'm sorry. I was racist. I assumed Filipino. Oh. Do you, do you I don't even. I don't even. You not ask for register. <laughs> I didn't ask for ID. Or like a ancestry DNA. ID. Spit in this vial. I'm sending it away. Send it to ancestry DNA. Yeah. So yeah, that was interesting. That was a real head scratcher. That that really it really confused. I can see me. it's rattled you. It really can, is. You're like, visibly rattled here. I am. Like, don't call your business that. Mm. If. If it's like a woman plus Philip, potentially Filipino man's touch, like, it doesn't have the same ring about it. So maybe that's why they went with it. Maybe the original company was a woman plus potentially Filipino man's touch. Maybe that was in the fine print. I didn't look. Maybe, do you think when they signed the contract... It sounds very dodgy if you talk about it like that, though. A woman and a potential female man's touch. <laughs> female man. Female man. <laughs> um, do you think in the contract it states, you know... By the way, it may, it may not be a woman. <laughs> it may be a female. Maybe a female or a Fili- maybe a female Filipino. <laughs> yeah, so that was a bit weird. I mean, you can if you're talking you know, talking about like gender and stuff. Like you know, back in the day, 
was very you know very black and white what was gender yeah, what was, was not a or b yeah there it's there's lots of different a, B, C, interpretations D, of that so F, maybe G, H, I, J, K. maybe mr filipino who was supposed to be a filipino mr filipino cleaner identifies as a female maybe as a femme male maybe <laughs> anyway yeah, i guess we leave that there yeah we should park that one it's um, a bit of a cause of controversy but i'm yeah I don't mean to derail us. Still, I, I feel like be, we're a bit rattled here. I, yeah, I, I, I'd be really rattled <laughs> if I saw it too. Like, I'm like, what are you doing here? <laughs> it's like, is that like, because like, you know, with what sort of shirt was it? Like a polo? T-shirt. T-shirt. Might have been a polo, but I think it was a T-shirt with pol- printing on the back. Pol- yeah, t- uh, Oh, because that was the thing. They, I was like uh, standing sort of shoulder to shoulder with someone just talking. You know how, you know how when two people talk to each other, often they aren't directly facing each other they yeah. both kind of both look at a mutual object like can be anything yeah yeah stare at a coffee machine and talk to one another without making eye contact yeah. um well this person uh walked past so i saw the t-shirt had printing on the back and i was like but that's not a gal <laughs> that's <laughs> no me. gal excuse me are you a gal or <laughs> is your woman's touch <laughs> wow okay oh. um i mean Yay for diversity. Yeah. But maybe the company needs to rebrand. Just. Mm. Yeah, I. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Human's touch. <laughs> yeah, human touch. Human touch. <laughs> You're human? You're human? You have a job. <laughs> um, anything else you want to throw around the old spitball? I think it's good. I think it's good. I think it's about time for uh, part uh, part two. All right, part two being something paranormal. Something paranormal. So we've, we've ruled out everything that happened up until now Well, as the paranormal. Filipino person may not be Filipino. We haven't got the DNA back yet, so yeah. we're working on that. But yeah. the rest is para- not Are you suggesting that we could have been extraterrestrial? It could have been. We don't have the DNA back yet. <laughs> That's true. May match no known human. That's true. And I did have that 270 then, if, out of 100 psychic call. That's right. That's right. And if that... If, if the Filipino cleaner is not human, then they probably shouldn't be working at a human touch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, I don't If digress. they get fired from there, they could go work for hire a hubby. Can aliens get married? Illegal aliens? Can't. Not in the country, they're illegal. Like, oh, you mean an Englishman in New York? Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a weird song, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I think an Englishman in New York can get married. Is that what you're asking? <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't marry him. No. I guess I Wait, could marry him. You can marry No, not not perform the ceremony. <laughs> I could marry him. I could be I, we could be a betrothed together, yeah. he and I. Yeah. Eng- well said Englishman and I. You do you have to does one But of, I'm not in love with him. Does one of you have to be a citizen? No. No, we depends get, on the state. Maybe we would we get married, but we wouldn't be probably. Um, we could, can't still live there. Wouldn't be recognised. We could go like a destination wedding. Yeah, like said, Englishman and I could have a destination wedding in, in New York. New York yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're both illegal aliens. Yeah, or legal aliens. What's uh, the lyric? I'm, I'm an alien. I'm, I'm an illegal an alien. alien. I'm an Englishman in New York. Actually, I'm applying for a 90-day uh, <laughs> visa waiver program entry to this country. So I'm yeah. allowed to be here. Yeah. <laughs> Just I can't work here, People, and I can't stay more than 90 days. Yeah, but you can get married. You can get married. <laughs> yeah. 
just I have no rights. So I was like, I'm married. I'm married. I, 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 can I got married in this country. country. You like, can't kick me out. You, you married a legal alien, an Englishman <laughs> over from there. In New York. In New York. It doesn't mean you can work here. Good. Yeah. Good. Anyway. Is that what you meant when you said alien? I assume you meant Englishman in New York. I think so. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> Speaking of aliens, do you want to do something extraterrestrial? It's kind of a personal question. Huh. Well, do you? You kind of signed up for this whole paranormal podcast 80 something episodes ago. Mm. I mentioned it was 86. <laughs> and look at how we've changed. Yeah. We've got maps gear down, now. Maps down. Maps gone. Bookcases. And your house. In my house. <laughs> Baby on the way. Baby on the way. Yeah. <laughs> I had nothing to do with that, but I encouraged it from the whoa, sidelines. Whoa, whoa. No, you didn't. That makes it sound like you were there cheering. Maybe I was. No, I wasn't there. <laughs> Okay, move into your story. In, Let's move there. into your story. I was there in spirit. Let's move into your story. Is it a story? Okay. Okay. Unless you got a better idea. I've got no, I've got no better ideas. <laughs> I'm out of ideas. Okay. So today we're talking about a uh, phenomenon that uh, struck me as odd, peculiar, but has a bit of uh, witness witness testimony behind it. Ah, a New Zealander marrying, marrying an Englishman in this New York. This does involve a lot of English people, <laughs> I've got to say. Uh, so let's, let's just sort of start leave this first sentence and see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. The origin of the modern term gremlin is said to derive from the <gasps> old English word grim, which means to annoy or wed in New York. Mm. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It refers what a coincidence. Yeah, it's paranormal. <laughs> it refers to a type of mischievous gnome-like imp or demon, typically said to be around a foot tall, which has its roots in the old folklore of goblins and fairies. Mm-hmm. So obviously, there's been a movie, Is Gremlins. Oh, there's a really famous uh, clip from the Ricky Gervais, Carl Pilkington XFM shows back when they were on radio together. Right. Carl Pilkington genuinely asking the question, what were those things in Gremlins called? <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I can give the definition of a gremlin. Go on, uh, then. The modern version of a gremlin uh, is described as uh, malicious, troublemaking, or a hellraiser, and has its origins with British airmen, some of whom claim gremlins caused aircraft or navigational malfunctions. Mm-hmm. One of the first mentions of the creature can be traced back to an early reference to them in the early 1900s in an early British newspaper called The Early Spectator, in which it was written, The Old Royal, this is now back to old, <laughs> <laughs> The Old Royal Naval Air Service in 1917 and the newly constituted Royal Air Force in 1918 appear to have detected the existence of a horde of mysterious and malicious sprites uh, whose whole purpose in life was to bring about as many as possible of the inexplicable mishaps which, in those days as now, trouble an airman's life. So... Essentially, they're blaming uh, problems on their on their aircraft. Global on, warming on gremlins. They they may be responsible for global warming. That could be the next thing that Trump uses. Who knows? Yeah. The existence of such weird entities became truly popularized. That's not quite weird how you say that. Popularized starting in 1923, when a British pilot crashed his plane into the sea and later reported that the accident had been caused by tiny creatures which had caused havoc aboard the aircraft, sabotaging the engine, 
messing around with the flight controls and ultimately causing it to crash. Strange. Gremlins were said to engage in such a myriad of bad behaviour as mucking up landing gear, blowing dust or sand into fuel pipes or sensitive electrical equipment, cutting wires, removing bolts or screws, tinkering with dials, jostling with controls, <laughs> good, good slashing wings or tyres, banging incessantly on the fuselage, breaking windows, and a wide variety of other prankish acts. Just a plethora of adjectives. Really, really, really some nasty, nasty behaviour going on here. These are like a group of like rebellious teens. Mm, millennials. I hate my teens. <laughs> no, I've got nothing against teens. Your I was, teens. I was got a good boy. <laughs> uh, they were also sometimes reported to be seen sitting up upon the nose of the plane or the wings in mid-flight, tampering with the wings or even the engines. On occasion, the gremlins were said to shout, growl, or otherwise make noise so as to distract aircraft crews. So, like, this is people in flying machines reporting really tangible evidence of something happening. I can see something. Mm. I mean, there's evidence. Not sure, but at least the sighting is proof that, on their part, they're seeing something very real. Yeah. The entities were said to be sinister in appearance, with hairy bodies, large pointed ears, deep red or even glowing eyes, and horns. Still, other reports speak of gremlins as having hairless grey skin, being vaguely reptilian in appearance, and Ooh. having mouths filled with pointy teeth. Some accounts mention fins or bat-like wings. Size descriptions also vary considerably, with gremlins said to be anywhere between a mere six inches tall. It's not small. Let's just say that. It's tiny. That's not small. It's insufficiently small. That's respectable. That's insufficient. That is respectable. Insufficiently small. Between a respectable six inches tall up to three feet in height. Mm, Satisfying. Well, (laughs) it's a bit too much, isn't it? I mean, we all like a, a good thing, but that's just a bit too much of a good thing. One common trait in all reports is that through whatever means, gremlins were known to be able to adhere to the outer fuselage of planes and to withstand incredible temperature extremes and high altitudes. Uh, reports of gremlins were especially prolific during World War II among the Royal Air Force's unit, units, unions, units, especially the high-altitude photographic units, which flew perilous missions in unarmed aircraft at great height. It was during these harrowing missions that the little monsters were regularly seen and blamed for all manner of otherwise inexplicable technical troubles and woes. In some cases, mechanical problems would arise only to mysteriously right themselves again as soon as the planes landed or the gremlins disappeared. So, being this was high altitude flight and people like had said like it was just hypoxia or like lack of oxygen and people were hallucinating when they saw this. So... Mm-hmm. So that that was one explanation given for why like these high altitude photographic um, units were given up. One American Boeing B seventeen Flying Fortress pilot during World War Two, known only as L W, had a rather bizarre and harrowing experience with gremlins. The pilot reported that he was taking his bomber higher. He could hear a strange sound coming from the engine, and the instruments on the panel in front of him started going haywire when the pilot looked outside to the right he saw a freakish entity outside on the plane's window outside of the plane's window Mm -hmm. latched onto the plane 
the creature was described as uh, sort of a bit too plush, three feet tall. <laughs> Much rather have a smaller one. Yeah. With abnormally long, you probably would abnormally long arms, grey hairless skin, deep red eyes, a gaping mouth full of teeth and pointed ears, with tufts of black hair at the end of owl-like ears. Just staring in at him from the wind and bitter cold beyond the glass of his flight deck. When the frightened pilot looked to the nose of the aircraft, he was astonished to see yet another one of the creatures pounding away haphazardly on the fuselage. The pilot thought at first that he was perhaps hallucinating or experiencing disorientation, but he reported that he felt sharp and in the control of the senses. Mm-hmm. That's pretty freaky. I mean, war's scary enough without gremlins on your plane. Is this where that, like, William Shatner thing, something on the wing? Yeah, I think a lot of this is potentially where this may come from. Yeah. I didn't realise there was actually such a history of this. Yeah. Uh, so old LW said that the strange creatures appeared to be laughing maniacally and they were gleefully, and they, and they gleefully cavorted about outside of his plane, pulling on whatever they could to get, they, they could get, pulling on whatever they could get their clawed hands on banging on the aircraft with all their might, and trying their best to bring the plane down. After a bit of skillful manoeuvring, the pilot managed to shake the creatures off his plane, although he would later say he had no idea if they had fallen to their deaths or merely jumped to another of the planes in the squadron. Mm. So, sounds like these guys were like ripping apart the plane, yeah. and causing the instruments were reflecting this. Nah, they're so right. cute and lovable though. Yeah, just, just don't just be... chuckling them. and ripping apart planes yeah. and what does it don't does it don't feed them don't get them wet don't feed them after midnight after midnight yeah so this might be in the nighttime rain mm. we actually say that about nieces and nephews when we're babysitting very good very good mm. <laughs> lw was apprehensive about telling anyone about the frightening ordeal but when he told a gunner friend of his about it obviously came clean came out tim the, tim gunn the gunner reported tim, 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 gunn. tim gunn reported having had a similar experience on a training mission just a few days before but he made it work he made it work <laughs> interestingly there was a super bizarre incident pertaining to an american aircraft from 1939 allegedly a transport plane left the marine naval air force base in san diego california at about 3:30 p.m in the late summer of 1939 on a routine flight to honolulu with a crew of 13. Somewhere around three hours into the flight, it was reported that the aircraft made a sudden distress call, after which all communications suddenly ceased. Despite the fact that its radio had gone completely silent, the plane managed to arrive back at its base, yet the way it limped in for a bumpy emergency landing, and with heavy damage on the exterior, immediately worried the ground crew. Mm. As soon as the damaged plane had skidded to a halt on the runway, the ground crew moved in to investigate. What they found would horrify them. An inspection of the aircraft's interior discovered the bodies of 12 of the plane's crew, all of them displaying gruesome, gaping wounds on their bodies of unknown origin. Further adding to the strangeness was the fact that the whole cabin reeked of a wretched sulfuric stench, and there were empty bullet shells strewn about the floor of the cockpit, as well as the pilot and co-pilot's empty firearms, indicating that the men had frantically fired at something invading the aircraft. The only survivor was the co-pilot, 
who had managed to land the plane despite being severely wounded himself. He would die later at a hospital before having any chance to give an account of what had exactly happened aboard the doomed flight. Jeepers. Those who claimed to have seen gremlins or to have been the victims of their attacks insist that there were no figment of their imagination and they were very real, refusing that all cases can be explained away as hallucinations. Nevertheless, these sorts of reports largely fizzled out in the wake of the war's end and by the 1950s there was very little talk of gremlins among airmen, perhaps due to the fact that the military were saying, you know, don't talk about dodgy shite that goes on. Mm. It's rather professional and morale inhibiting behaviour. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about dodgy shite. Mm-hmm. While the, was the gremlin phenomenon all just hallucinations and overacting imaginations, or could there have been something else beyond the phenomena? Oh uh, yeah, there's something else. A series of movies by Steven Spielberg. Thank you. That answers that question, number one. If these gremlins were indeed <laughs> real entities, what were they? Were they demons? Uh, animals? Puppets. puppets at that point. I don't think they were CGI. Aliens? There's some talk here that these guys uh, resemble the previous tale about the... Uh, Hopkinsville goblins. Oh, yeah. They look a lot like what was reported there. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. Were they purchased from a ancient man... Uh, ancient... An a- Asian man selling... Oh, an, a- an ancient Asian man. Ancient Asian man <laughs> selling ancient artifacts from Asia. <laughs> it's Asia a lot there. Yes, I think it is. Uh, whatever they were, uh, ancient Asian gremlins men mm. whatever they were indeed very real to the many of the brave men who risked their lives in the treacherous skies of world war two mm. apparently even um there's a story of charles Lindbergh flying across the atlantic on a solo version a version solo journey and um <laughs> it's an odd word to sub it <laughs> it was and um he was sort of feeling drowsy and not knowing where he was and apparently these helpful gremlins popped out of the aircraft and helped him fly he invented it himself very odd Oh, really? I feel that was more hallucination, though. Yeah, feels like it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's the. Uh, it's a story I heard on another podcast recently about sort of odd. Uh, odd come, tales. come here for all your stolen content, everyone. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, hey, you never heard about this? These weird gremlins running around the sky gremlins of World War Two. Mm-hmm. Um, never sort of heard about them running around aircraft destroying things. But obviously, there's inspiration. And then, oh, as I was reading this, I had. Um, read in that uh, in our um, wonderful our book club book secret <laughs> machines part two yeah about um things on wings something on the wing yeah and yeah sort of like hey, maybe i should take maybe i should have a wee chit chat about this one so, all right yeah. sounds good good research as always um given that you've done research i did yeah i did a lot uh i, I did it on uh, monday and tuesday so just good didn't impact my my, my unscheduled overnight didn't impact my um research so um cool and while you were um sunning yourself on a company credit card next to the pool eating pizza and drinking beer yep um did you manage to watch project blue book did 11 o'clock last night after i got back so i was been trying to convince the uh a wider audience to watch it Mm -hmm. some colleagues i was with and i think i might get one one out of some (laughs) (laughs) okay cool um, shall we dive into a debrief of Project Blue Book? I'm then? actually pretty amped for this. Yeah, it was. It Let's was. Do it. it was a good episode. All right. I like this theme music you've developed mm. for our segment. It's good intro. <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely 
um, what's the word? Flirts with copyright law. <laughs> Uh, as long as we satire it, I think we're fine. That's all right. That's all right. Project Green Book, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, we talked through it. There's no problems there. Yeah. We've um, done the remix. What? Uh, the remix. What remix? Of oh, nothing. We're fine. <laughs> um, so this time around, we dealt... Uh, Project Blue Book Episode 4 dealt with Operation Paperclip, um, which is... Uh, post World War Two, once the Nazis were defeated, um, a whole bunch of German scientists were brought to America to work on, um, well, publicly the space race. Yes. Um, but many theories suggest that they were working on all sorts of. At the very least, it was intercontinental ballistic missile development. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> kind of helped a lot with that. <laughs> Um, it was uh, we had Werner von Braun. Yeah, Werner von Braun, yeah. uh, chief Nazi scientist who the was in charge of the V one v- and V two rocket program. That's it. Yeah, I'll try not to talk over you next time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, in this episode, it suggests that they're not just working on rockets and space stuff. They're working on. I don't know what that was. Maybe interdimensional stuff, um, saucer-shaped craft. Uh, well, the covers finally came off. What we had had seen was it episode two. They whipped the covers off, and there, there, are she blue. Mm-hmm. The uh, saucer-shaped craft craft was unveiled. Um, Remarkably man-made looking. Had a big turbine in the middle, and yeah. the U.S. Air Force panels all over it, and you know a. a very traditional looking cockpit i was a little bit disappointed when i saw that big turbine in the middle i'm like hmm but then once it, i thought oh this is obviously just like i was wondering whether it was that um this footage showing of, of a u.s air force round disc shaped object there's a turbine in the middle it doesn't fly very well but yeah it would get like three feet off the ground yeah. but however this one started doing more and then seemed to get some sort of anti-gravity properties and then it disappeared that's right very philadelphia experiment-esque um so uh the other thing that was going on was um they saw what they're told is a uh monkey's body yeah there's one of them uh, like the monkey who've been sent into space so uh heineck and quinn break into the um, facility that the german scientists are working in and in sort of a suspended animation glob of goo is a uh hairless monkey that went into space which kind of looks like an alien yeah <laughs> and heineck snaps a few dick pics no, wait that's not right uh selfies with it yeah still not quite right but he takes a few pictures takes a few pictures yeah yeah um the what what do you it was quite a different vibe in this episode i thought it was really um shifting towards that paranormal so where where they had previously explained away certain things and um you kind of yes they showed the flatwoods monster but then explained it away in such a way where that could have just been um you know dramatized for the show or we could have been seeing it through a witness's eyes who wasn't you know thinking logically yes in this episode it's actually heineck and quinn yes who um who see things with their own eyes much like the lubbock lights but uh this time around there's definitely more of that paranormal stuff is just prominent so with the ship disappearing at the end there's now potentially alien bodies floating around it just brought that whole 
Uh, it kind of uncovered all of the um, all of the paranormal rather than suggested it, if you know what I mean. Yes. So, yeah, rather they're sort of hinting at it but not showing it. And, mm. again, this is sort of taking a bit of... Um, there's a bit of, bit of fiction, um, fictional type history being worked in here, but from sort of, I guess, uh, fictional is, is probably a... Uh, a word you could use with caution because we just don't know it's it's taking liberties with maybe some of mm. what had happened from project blue book it's definitely not following the project blue book case again letter to the law as we've uh as we've noted previously but this is talking about hey these are stories that have talked about like what was the german involvement um or the nazi involvement with the development of extraterrestrial um craft yeah it, uh, well, well i guess um there was a point around potentially nazi collusion with extraterrestrials there was talk about development of bases there was equipment like the the bell yeah yeah that was a famous um a piece of equipment that was uh supposedly anti-gravity um weapon that they couldn't work there's talk about reverse engineering of um alien spacecraft that was they were loaded up with weapons and they didn't fly properly after that and they just didn't work like this if you look on there's lots of those images of um yeah potentially saucer looking objects with german war insignia in them from the nazi regime so it's yeah there's some um really interesting stuff out out out, out there about what potentially may have happened or it could all just be complete fiction I mean nothing there but this connection between extraterrestrials and nazis is been around for a long time and again uh, going back to secret machines they talk about a uh, a lot of this potential german connection with what happened in world war Two and operation paperclip post world war Two, where that knowledge was taken by the united states and located to alabama in this wee out this wee facility they had yeah the the idea being that the nazis were flirting with the idea of um physical space plus kind of like spirituality almost mm. like elemental kind of things um which which ties in with a lot of the historic kind of sites that you see um nazi stuff uh being dug up or you know the archaeology that goes with it yeah and that, was a, that, was, that was a big part of that nazi regime was around traveling the world and uncovering archaeological wonders yeah and, and taking those and investigating those and looking into cryptozoology and all this stuff it was yeah, searching for certain runes and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Really interesting to see that woven into a story um, in such a feasible, or not, I don't know if feasible is the word, such a logical way. So, yes. Or believable, it, you know, it, it doesn't seem out of place. And then the public face of this being the fact that, uh, hey, we're developing rockets for the space program, and, oh, hey, we sent a monkey up and it came back, it was hairless, and that's what we've got on the uh, the mm. old jar back there. And the very beginning of the episode... Um, that brings Quinn and Heineck to Alabama um, is the Charles Witted UFO incident, which we covered. Um, episode 55, past the DC on the starboard side. <laughs> um, so we talked about that case, and um, it shows Heineck in the, sh- in the TV episode, it shows Heineck uh, on board the aircraft witnessing the, the case, yeah, and yeah. later woods it appears that he was dreaming about it, and had witnessed that in his dream um just not like he was it was something of not a paranormal experience simply that hey i was asleep and i've been talking about this and i put myself in that in that dream and it, they showed that on the uh, the show as recreating the event of what happened mm-hmm. um and yeah i mean it was it was pretty 
pretty historically accurate. There was an, a DC three chugging along through the air and some weird, um, yeah, weird, weird objects streaked by. I think in the um, the explanation they gave in Charles, the Charles Woodard incident was um, a meteorite or something mm-hmm. like that. That I guess what was it streaked past the aircraft and performed all series of maneuvers that obviously meteorites don't do. But no, they don't change direction. Yeah. Whereas um, in the show, they're saying, oh, hey, well, we're in, in, in this element, we're obviously Air Force and we know that there's something going on in this Huntsville, Alabama, so it might be related to this. So that's where the aircraft was when it happened, so it must be this. And at the time in the episode, you've got Werner von Brown taking uh, responsibility. Oh, yeah, that was one of ours. Mm. When it definitely wasn't a missile test or yeah. a rocket test. If it was something that was of earthly origin, it was something special or different. Yeah. Um, I thought when that test pilot is going on board the the saucer shaped craft, he's absolutely paralysed with fear and mm. you know, is terrorising what's going to happen. So there must be some really unpleasant experience that goes on board with yeah this type of craft and whatever they're doing. And I found that really travel. odd because if he didn't want to be there, how can they trust him to do what they needed to do? Yeah, it was it was it wasn't quite it was it just and they of, had a big control panel controlling the craft anyway. Yeah. Unless it was just about transporting human. Yeah, or seeing the physical effects on humans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, any idea of what might be in the next episode? No. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't got there yet. No, no, we haven't. Um, and did you find any other literature that uh, might be worth mentioning? What about that guy who... Um, do we know whether he stayed tuned to see if there was any... Um, lady on lady action <laughs> no i think as i they told you uh offline from this episode that we uh i've found a different source for some of the episode reviews <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah like i don't know the whole um mimi heineck and the russian spy thing um yeah i just it's it's fine it's good to have something going on in the in, in the background and i think some of that stuff is sort of casting some of that fear from the 1950s that was uh invading uh, like US homes, the paranoia of that period. But um, yeah, I um, yeah, I'm sort of less interested in that, more interested in what's going on with Heineken and Quinn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's definitely the B story. Uh, the next episode just looked it up. It's on Foo Fighters. Oh, cool. So I wonder what uh, Dave favorite, Grohl what's your and Foo Fighters song. <laughs> Dave Grohl and Taylor Hawkins are going to be up to. <laughs> <clears throat> Um, alright cool should we put that one to bed yeah anything I think else to add just, to Project just Blue that Book? I think for the first time it sort of introduced that um, it, it, I mean had we not seen the hairless monkey slash alien in, in, in the in the, goo t- in the goo tub then there's that talk about sort of that feeling of is this technology that we're seeing or that people are seeing is it actually human technology or now I'm looking after after seeing the goo tub alien it's like is this captured technology that has been I guess reverse engineered as best as possible for the time period hence the turbine in the middle or maybe not fully anti-gravity pr- properties mm-hmm. from what they were able to capture because you know you, you think about if we saw something if we sent ancient man something very complicated they're not going to be able to fully recreate it as much as we could do it now because they don't understand the science behind it Yeah. so there, is there that that we didn't at that time understand the science behind it created or um, reverse engineered something that could do a lot of what the potential object that was captured could do but had to have a turbine in the middle because the anti-gravity propulsion was unreliable and the turbine helped support that and then so a lot of these sightings are actually government craft or Mm. secret craft or 
human developed craft after stealing things from yeah you know potentially visiting extraterrestrials either friendly or um or by accident or whatever the other thing that's that i find interesting or i'm intrigued to see where it goes is where in the timeline is that was that craft the as late model as we can expect to see or are these things going to develop across the series or was that like a uh you know an experimental you know um b-grade craft that they use just for that episode and there's actually higher tech floating around in that same building yeah because it did seem very experimental yeah um in those phases yeah. yeah so um yeah i'm interested to see where it goes with those story arcs as well i well, hope you keep watching then um yeah. i'll just <laughs> wait to out. hear about it on the next you didn't even watch this episode did you yeah i did <laughs> don't be aggressive like that you just follow on i was like yeah so there was a uh yeah like there was like like this book that was blue and there was like like a like a door and like a car You're like you didn't watch the episode <laughs> yeah you're <laughs> yeah. <laughs> puffing your way through this book report <laughs> yeah. um cool shall we head into the final finale so spoiler alert i am um doing all the music live as an experiment um and this one is all ready to go when you are okay um do i do the music before the i say it no this is the final segment of the show where we take the 1982 reader's digest version of mysteries of the unexplained i will flick to a random page tony will tell me when to stop and we'll flick will i will read one of the stories on the page we land on this is the segment we call get me some strange the tunes have arrived <laughs> in real time yeah we get to read it over top of well i get to read it over top of the actual music you do you, you're very lucky <laughs> I thought, yeah do you, you want to do it be. no look i look you go for it man it's your turn your turn right. this week so it's a momentous occasion and i'm ready all right lurking look at that it's beautiful fucking it's gorgeous sound there we go stop few green stickies on this i can see that yeah actually where are those green stickies now are they in the new wardrobe slash it's not a wardrobe (laughs) the new closet again not a closet (laughs) bookcase just opening up the old bookcase yeah yeah everyone needs to know there's nothing in that one there (laughs) nothing at all you don't even need that there's nothing in there i don't need a little what about the lower one hold on i'm going downstairs slowly reaching downstairs no, <laughs> I don't know where I put them. No good. Oh, maybe it's behind the books. <laughs> don't worry, it's not entertaining. I've landed on the segment called Inexplicable Crimes and Assaults. You've got nothing to say because your head's still in the bookcase. Trying to find the things. <laughs> um, no, I can't find them. All right. So this one is entitled The Marks of the Dead. I'm just going to flick the light on. Ruined the mood. (laughs) Love and revenge play large roles in voodoo, and one must always be careful not to offend the wrong people. A haungan made advances to a certain girl. What's a haungan? How do you spell it? H-O-U-N-G-A-N. H-O-U-N-G-A-N. 
Keep reading, I'll find it. A Haungan made advances to a certain girl, but she, being engaged to marry a man whom she loved, rejected him completely. Haungan is a term for a male priest in voodoo. The enraged Haungan was... Haitian voodoo, sorry. The enraged Haitian male priest was heard muttering the threats as he depart muttering threats as he departed, and within a few days the girl fell ill and died. Her family brought the body back to their village for burial, and then discovered that the coffin ordered from town was too short. The neck had to be bent to fit the body inside. At the wake, someone accidentally dropped a cigarette on one foot of the corpse, which left a small burn. Oh, come on, man. That's so disrespectful. (laughs) Yeah. A few months later, it was whispered that this girl had been seen in the company of the Haungan she had previously rejected, but there was no evidence, and the story was soon forgotten. Then, some years later, the girl reappeared at her home. The Haungan had repented and released all his zombies. She was positively identified by many people who had attended her funeral and who remembered her bent neck and the burn mark on her foot. Oh man, <laughs> if they just got a bit of coffin and a bit more care for in her body, then she could have come back in a positive light. <laughs> That's pretty heavy. Do you, do you want to see if you got this pronunciation right? Haungan. 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 <laughs> Very well. Haungan. Awesome. <laughs> on that note, we'll call that another episode <laughs> of Lights in the Sky podcast. Catch you next week. Toodaloo.